0: Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by Pastor Sherry Banke as we continue our series, How to Bless Your Neighbor. For more information, please visit us at communitychristian.org. Also, if you need prayer, we invite you to text PRAY to 630-793-6399. Our prayer team would love to pray for you. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 930, 1115 a.m. and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Good morning, community. How are you guys doing? Good. Good morning to those joining us digitally as well. Well, you know what? I think it's the most wonderful time of the year. I know that on Monday we celebrate Labor Day, and that's the end of summer, but fall is in the air. I am a fall girl, man. Yes, we get a clap for that. Here's it. Football is kicking off. We got the Cubs making a charge for the playoffs, right? I even got a pumpkin spice latte this week. I couldn't help myself. I love the fall. All right, let's jump in. Who here remembers the show Dirty Jobs by Mike Rowe? You remember that? I love this show, I love the show. I watch it with my boys, we can uh, capture it on reruns. But I love this show. What Mike does is, is he identifies the dirtiest of jobs And then he goes and he actually does that job for a day. A dirty job, for example, would be like paving the road. And and that is obviously a a dirty job. You smell like tar. There's paint that you have to put on the ground. Another job, for instance, is he will go to a farm and work on a farm. And I have worked on a dairy farm before. And I can tell you, that is a dirty job. Definitely. Definitely. But there was one episode that really fascinated me. Uh, he went to a work at a, a plant where they created the black pigment. So like black that you would see on a t-shirt or with ink or something like that. And you wouldn't think such a simple product would be such a dirty job. And I'm telling you, that was a dirty job. He was black from head to toe. But the premise of the whole show is that he finds real, actual, dirty jobs that people actually do. Now, in the banking household, uh, there is one dirty job that I refuse to do. Now, cleaning the house in my house is kind of a family activity, but I also live in a house with three boys. Actually, two boys and my husband. But about five years ago, I decided that there was one dirty job I was not going to do anymore, and that was clean the toilet. And so I turned that job, that dirty job over to my boys. And that is something that they do and they still do to today, they do it once a week. That's their task that they get to do. But I think each one of us, we really don't like to do dirty jobs, right? I think we would kind of shy away from that. But today we're gonna hear a story from Jesus where he does a dirty job willingly. He does so to demonstrate what we're actually going to be talking about today. And it's going to be a challenge for us. But if I think we take that challenge seriously, we can actually change the world. As Sue mentioned, we are in week five of our How to Bless Your Neighbor series. And in this series, we've been talking about our mission of helping people find their way back to God. And this isn't just Community Christian Church's mission. This is your mission. This is my mission. This is our mission together is to help people find their way back to God. But far too often, I think we sit back just hoping people find their way back to God instead of helping people find their way back to God. That's why we've been challenging and equipping each and every one of us to actually help. And we believe that through the years we have discovered that the best way to live out this mission of helping people find their way back to God is by being a blessing being a blessing to the people that God has put into our life. And so around here at Community, this word BLESS is actually an acronym. It's an acronym that helps us live out this BLESS practice. So hopefully you got a card like this sometime throughout this series. If you haven't got one, uh, you can grab one on your way out. But this is a card that helps you identify who are the people and the places that God has called you to bless. And we've learned that the B stands for begin with prayer, and then we listen to those around us. Last week, we talked about EAT, and we actually shared a meal with everybody out there. But today, we're going to talk about that next letter in the acronym, which is serve. Now, I know for me, whenever somebody wants to help me out or they want to serve me, um, I can at times just feel really uncomfortable about that. Anybody kind of feel that way when somebody wants to help them out? I think it's, maybe it's just how I'm wired, Uh, but it does make me feel uncomfortable. But 10 years ago, when my youngest son was born, my small group got together and they said, hey, for the next three weeks, we're going to bring you a prepared hot meal. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's just cooking dinner. I can cook dinner for my family. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, I'm home all day with a toddler and a newborn. I mean, how hard could it be to prepare a meal for my family? But I quickly learned, I don't know, but I think between the hours of 4 and 6 p.m., like a spell is just cast, you know, over my house, and my, it would just be chaos. And when the doorbell would ring and a small group member would show up with a warm, prepared meal, it was like just, it was just a blessing to me. It was, I just felt so loved. I felt cared for to be served in such a specific way that really met a need for me. And so it made a tremendous impact on me. And so you would think, because serving has had such an impact on me, that when I have opportunities to serve, that I would jump right up. But if I'm honest, I'm really more of the person that whenever I kind of see a need or see something, I'm thinking, I need to get somebody to help out with that or worse, I don't make eye contact. I just hope somebody else will do that, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I, maybe I'm just the only one that does that. Here's the thing. If we want to take this mission of helping people find their way back to God seriously, we need to have a major shift in our thinking when it comes to serving one another. And here's the kind of seismic shift that I'm talking about. Uh, in the year 1900, the field of physics, they had made some incredible strides forward. It, and it was, in fact, um, they had made so much progress that, that there was a community of people that had kind of decided that they had nearly exhausted the entire limits of this discipline of physics. And so one of these such physicists, Lord Kelvin. this is a nice picture of him, He was a keynote speaker at an event. And this is the event. It sounds really thrilling. Um, It was Assembly for British Association for the Advancement of Science. Probably a real rowdy crowd there. Uh, But Lord Kelvin, he took the podium. He took the podium and surrounded by a group of people who were convinced of their own brilliance made this infamous statement. He said, there is nothing new to be discovered in physics now. All that remains is just more and more precise measurements. And then Lord Kelvin drops the mic and walks off. Not so fast, cowboy. Here's why those words became so infamous. It was just five short years later that this guy pops up on the scene. (laughs) Einstein. For some reason, I don't think he was invited to that British tea party for science, do you think? But he had written a paper called The Special Relativity. And in this actually changed the way we view our entire world. It was like the whole world of science had been traveling this direction for about 200 years. And then this paper comes out and everything changed. And everything started walking this way. And that's what we call a paradigm shift. And this is what a paradigm shift is. It's a fundamental change in approach or underlying assumptions. But as revolutionary as Einstein's theory was here, today we're going to look at something that's even more amazing, that that requires an even more astounding paradigm shift. It's where we take this old misconception, this misconception that began back in the Garden of Eden, we're gonna take it, And we're going to turn it on its head. We're going to listen to the words of Jesus and he's going to take the idea, this idea of the higher you rise, the more power you have, the more wealth that you have, the more that you can leverage that to get people to serve you. But Jesus is going to take that idea, that misconception, and he's going to turn it on its head. Here's the thing. There's probably people in this room who still understand and still believe that the higher you climb, the more money that you make, the more power that you have, the more you can leverage people to serve you. But Jesus is going to paint a picture of what it really looks like to bless the world. And it involves a paradigm shift a shift from a crown to an apron. Here's what I mean. This is the uh, amazing story that we read uh, from the Gospel of John. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. So let's try to understand what's kind of going on here, kind of the magnitude of this moment. Jesus, he is God in the flesh. He is the creator of everything. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There's no one higher. Nobody has more power. He has everything on earth. And yet what does he do? He sets aside his crown. For an apron. And and this is a shocking scene that's happening here. The one who sits in the highest position is kneeling down to serve. And understand this Jesus isn't just doing a kind deed, he's actually lowering himself to the lowest rung on the ladder. Washing someone's feet was a must before sharing a meal in the first century. It was a must-have; you had to do it, and, and it was assigned to the lowest-ranking person that was in the room. And here's the deal: uh, washing feet was a dirty job. Feet are dirty, but we're talking about first-century feet here. We don't have we don't have nail clippers. Nobody's gotten a fresh pedicure. They're walking around, no socks, no shoes. I think you kind of get the picture here. And typically for a meal, the disciples would gather around and they they would sit on on the floor around a table. And so your feet are kind of right there. So it was really important to have your feet washed before dinner. And so imagine this awkward moment. They're all kind of standing around looking and, and the disciples realize, who's? Gonna wash our feet. Now, if I was there, I would go to my typical move of not making eye contact, do not make eye contact, so nobody would ask me to wash the feet. But the awkwardness, it's turned up to 11 when Jesus Himself gets up and He begins to wash their feet. But it isn't just this dirty job that Jesus is doing that astounds them as much as the shame that's associated with this act of service. See, this was an honor and shame culture. And you were to have the highest honor. It gave you great credibility within the uh, the community there. And so if you had the highest honor, people were expected to serve you. But here Jesus is, he's washing their feet. It is not a position of honor. In fact, it's quite the opposite of what's going on here. And I think that's why Peter has these stern words for Jesus he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Think about this. What if somebody powerful, somebody who maybe even was more financially wealthy than you, somebody you really respected who had a lot of influence. What if they came to your house for dinner? And you'd probably be nervous because they were at your house for dinner, but you would be honored because you were there serving them dinner. But then what if they got up after dinner and they went into your bathroom and started cleaning your toilet, right? Now, I would appreciate that, but here's the point. The point is that you would be extremely uncomfortable, right? You'd be extremely uncomfortable, and that's what's going on with Peter here. He's extremely uncomfortable. It's turned up to 100 times, but then here's what Jesus replies back to him. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. And here's the thing. Peter Peter didn't fully understand what Jesus was saying here, but we do. We do because we know the rest of the story. We know that in just a few hours after this meal that they've shared together, that Jesus is going to be dragged out. He's going to be stripped of his dignity. He's going to experience humiliation at the hands of the forces of violence of others. And once again, he's going to take his crown off. But it's not going to be replaced with an apron. It's going to be replaced with a cross. And on that cross, he's going to fully experience our shame. And because of his great work, all of us are clean and restored to a right relationship with God. But in this moment, Jesus, he's washing their feet. And this is what I really want to drive home to you guys today. As he's washing their feet in that upper room the night before his crucifixion, this isn't just a kind gesture. This is him demonstrating a, a, a catalytic, seismic shift that needs to happen. Listen to what he continues to say in this story. He says, when he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. The message, it's simple here. It's challenging. But it is simple, we have to serve now as we have been served by Jesus. We have to take off our crown and pick up an apron, pick up an apron in service. In a world that believes the higher you rise, the more power that you have, the more money that you have, the more influence that you have, you can leverage people to serve you. But Jesus has these powerful words to say to that. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. If you and I are gonna carry out this mission, this mission of Jesus, this mission of helping people find their way back to God, not just hoping people find their way back to God, we have to do this by living out these blessed practices these blessed practices. I want you to think about the people that you wrote on this card. The people that you wrote on this card, who are the people, who are the places that God has called you to bless? What are their names? Here's what I have learned. What I have learned is whenever I begin with prayer and God brings to mind somebody that he wants me to bless and I begin to listen to those people I begin to listen to their hopes and their dreams and their needs. And if I take the time to to share a meal with them and eat, I will discover ways that I can actually serve them. I can serve a purpose in their life. Maybe I can meet a, a need of theirs that's relational or emotional or even spiritual. Here's the thing, though. These blessed practices, this isn't about, you know, I'm gonna serve uh, Tuesday night at seven, which that is a great thing to do. But these blessed practices, we want this series to kickstart a habit, kickstart a lifestyle. It's kind of as you go, way of doing things that you're always looking for an opportunity to serve and not back out of it where we are ready to pick up an apron and serve. And so think about the people and places that God has called you to serve and bless. And when you think about those people and you think about those places, ask yourself, am I wearing a crown or an apron? If the people you've been called to bless are your spouse, your coworker, are you wearing a crown or an apron? If the places you've been called to bless are your workplace, maybe the gym, maybe a running group that you are a part of, when you think about that, are you wearing a crown or an apron? I wanna challenge us. I wanna challenge us to pray. Pray, ask God to give you an opportunity to serve those people. Let's move beyond hoping people find their way back to God to actually helping people find their way back to God. Jesus, he set aside his crown, and he picked up an apron. Do you know what motivated him to do that? It's right here in the very beginning of the story, and it's so easy to miss. So I want to go back to the first verse in chapter 13. It says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus had just a few hours to live and he chose the love He chose to love to the very end. It was love that motivated him to serve the disciples. It was love that framed his entire story as he walked this earth. It is the same love that has changed the world for the past 2,000 years. And the greatest way we can paint a picture of love in our life is by following his example. You and I, we have experienced this love. It has been lavished up on us and we can follow his example. May we be people who choose to serve instead of be served. May we be people who put down our crown and we pick up an apron to serve. I believe if we do this, if we make this a practice, a habit, a lifestyle of blessing, that we, we could change the world. Pray with me, please. Father God, Jesus, you are worthy. You are so worthy to trust and to follow. You are worthy to love. You are worthy of our obedience. You not only said, hey, you need to serve one another, you demonstrated it. You went first. But you not only told us to or showed us how, you empowered us to do it. So, Father God, we just call upon your Holy Spirit that you empower us, empower each and every one of us to bless those we come in contact with. May we be a blessing to the places that we enter. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room that they'd experience your presence in an undeniable way and that your Holy Spirit would move in a way that would empower us to help people find their way back to you. It's in your son's holy name that I pray.